third story, the flower garden of the woman skilled in magic. How did little Gerda get along when Kay did not come back? Where could he be? Nobody knew. Nobody could give them any news of him. All that the boys could say was that they had seen him hitch his little sled to a fine big sleigh which had driven down the street and out through the town gate. Nobody knew what had become of Kay. Many tears were shed and little Gerda sobbed hardest of all. The people said that he was dead, that he must have been drowned in the river not far from town. Ah, <sighs> how gloomy those long winter days were. But spring and its warm sunshine came at last. Kay is dead and gone, little Gerda said. I don't believe it, said the sunshine. He's dead and gone gone she said to the swallows we don't believe it they sang finally little gerda began to disbelieve it too one morning she said to herself i'll put on my new red shoes the ones Kay has never seen and i'll go down by the river to ask about him it was very early in the morning she kissed her old grandmother who was still asleep put on her red shoes and all by herself she hurried out through the town gate and down to the river is it true that you have taken my own little playmate i'll give you my red shoes if you will bring him back to me it seemed to her that the waves nodded very strangely so she took off her red shoes that were her dearest possession and threw them into the river but they fell near the shore and the little waves washed them right back to her it seemed that the river could not take her dearest possession because it did not take little Kay however she was afraid that she had not thrown them far enough so she went into a boat that lay among the reeds walked to the end of it and threw her shoes out into the water again but the boat was not tied and her movements made it drift away from the bank she realized this and tried to get ashore but by the time she reached the other end of the boat it was already more than a yard from the bank and was fast gaining speed little Gerda was so frightened that she began to cry and no one was there to hear her except the sparrows they could not carry her to land but they flew along the shore twittering we are here we are here we are we are here the boat drifted swiftly down the stream but they could not catch up with her because the boat was gathering headway it was very pretty on both sides of the river where the flowers were lovely the trees were old and the hillsides afforded pasture for cattle and sheep but not one single person did Gerda see perhaps the river will take me to little Kay she thought and that made her feel more cheerful she stood up and watched the lovely green banks for hour after hour then she came to a large cherry orchard in which there was a little house with strange red and blue windows it had a thatched roof outside it stood two wooden soldiers 
who presented arms to everyone who sailed past. Gerda thought they were alive and called out to them, but of course they did not answer her. She drifted quite close to them as the current drove the boat toward the bank. Gerda called even louder, and an old, old woman came out of the house. She leaned on a crooked stick. She had on a big sun hat, and on it were painted the most glorious flowers. You poor little child, the old woman exclaimed. However did you get lost on this big swift river? And however did you drift so far into the great wide world? The old woman waded right into the water, caught hold of the boat with a crooked stick pulled it into shore and lifted little Gerda out of it. Gerda was very glad to be on dry land again, but she felt a little afraid of this strange old woman who said to her, Come and tell me who you are and how you got here. Gerda told her all about it. The woman shook her head and said, Mmm, mmm. And when Gerda had told her everything and asked if she hadn't seen little Kay, the woman said he had not yet come by, but that he might be along any day now. And she told Gerda not to take it so to heart, but to taste her cherries and to look at her flowers. These were more beautiful than any picture book, and each one had a story to tell. Then she led Gerda by the hand into her little house, and the old woman locked the door. The windows were placed high up on the walls, and through their red, blue and yellow panes, the sunlight streamed in a strange mixture of all the colours there are. But on the table were the most delicious cherries, and Gerda, who was no longer afraid, ate as many as she liked. The old woman combed her hair with a golden comb. Gerda's pretty hair fell in shining yellow ringlets on either side of a friendly little face that was as round and blooming as a rose. I've so often wished for a dear little girl like you, the old woman told her. Now you'll see how well the two of us will get along. While her hair was being combed, Gerda gradually forgot all about Kay, for the old woman was skilled in magic, but she was not a wicked witch. She only dabbled in magic to amuse herself, but she wanted very much to keep little Gerda. So she went out into the garden and pointed her crooked stick at all the rose bushes in the full bloom of their beauty. All of them sank down into the black earth without leaving a single trace behind. The old woman was afraid that if Gerda saw them, they would remind her so strongly of her own roses and of little Kay that she would run away again. Then Gerda was led into the flower garden. How fragrant and lovely it was. Every known flower of every season was there in full bloom. No picture book was ever so pretty and gay. Gerda jumped for joy and played in the garden until the sun went down behind the tall cherry trees. Then she was tucked into a beautiful bed under a red silk coverlet quilted with blue violets. There she slept, and there she dreamed as gloriously as any queen on her wedding day. The next morning, she again went out into the warm sunshine to play with the flowers, and this she did for many a day. 
God knew every flower by heart, and plentiful though they were, she always felt that there was one missing, but which one she didn't quite know. One day, she sat looking at the old woman's sun hat, and the prettiest of all the flowers painted on it was a rose. The old woman had forgotten this rose on her hat when she made the real roses disappear in the earth. But that's just the sort of thing that happens when one doesn't stop to think. Why aren't there any roses here? said Gerda. She rushed out among the flower beds and she looked, but there wasn't a rose to be seen. Then she sat down and cried, but her hot tears fell on the very spot where a rose bush had sunk into the ground. And when her warm tears moistened the earth, the bush sprang up again, as full of blossoms as when it disappeared. Gerda hugged it and kissed the roses. She remembered her own pretty roses and thought of little Kay. Oh, how long have I been delayed, the little girl said. I, I should have been looking for Kay. Don't you know where he is? She asked the roses. Do you think that he's dead and gone? He isn't dead, the roses told her. We have been down in the earth where the dead people are, but Kay is not there. Thank you, said little Gerda, who went to all the other flowers put her lips near them and asked do you know where little Kay is but every flower stood in the sun and dreamed its own fairy tale or its story though Gerda listened to many many of them not one of the flowers knew anything about Kay what the tiger lily say do you hear the drum boom boom it was only two notes always boom boom hear the women wail hear the priest chant. The Hindu woman in her long red robe stands on the funeral pyre. The flames rise around her and her dead husband, the Hindu woman. But the Hindu woman is thinking of that living man in the crowd around them. She's thinking of him whose eyes are burning hotter than the flames of him whose fiery glances have pierced their heart more deeply than these flames that soon will burn her body to ashes. Can the flame of her heart die in the flame of the funeral pyre? I don't understand that at all, little Gerda said. That's my fairy tale, said the lily. What did the trumpet flower say? An ancient castle rises high from a narrow path in the mountains. The thick ivy grows leaf upon leaf where it climbs to the balcony. There stands a beautiful maiden. She leans out over the balustrade to look down the path. No rose on its stem is as graceful as she, nor is any apple blossom in the breeze so light. Hear the rustle of her silk gown, sighing, Will he ever, will he never come? Do you mean Kay? Little Gerda asked. I'm talking about my story, my own dream, Trumpet Flower replied. What did the snowdrop say? Between the trees, two pretty little girls with frocks as white as snow and long green ribbons fluttering from their hats are singing. Their brother, who is bigger than they are, stands behind them on the sphinx with his arms around the ropes to hold himself. 
In one hand he has a little cup, and in the other a clay peep. He's blowing soap bubbles, and as the sphinx flees, the bubbles float off in all a dire changing colors. The last bubble is still clinging to the bowl of his peep and fluttering in the air as the sphinx sweeps to and fro. A little black dog, as light as bubble, is standing on his hind legs and trying to get up the sphinx, but it does not stop high and low. The sphinx flies until the dog loses his balance, barks and loses his temper. They tease him, and the bubble bursts. A sphinxing board pictured in a bubble before it broke. That is my story. Maybe a very pretty story, but you told it very sadly. And you didn't mention Kay at all. What did the hyacinth say? There were three sisters, quite transparent and very fair. One wore a red dress, the second wore a blue one, and the third went all in white. Hand in hand, they danced in the clear moonlight beside a calm lake. They were not elfin folk, they were human beings. The air was sweet, and the sisters disappeared into the forest. The fragrance of the air grew sweeter. Three coffins, in which lie the three sisters, glide out of the forest and across the lake. The fireflies hover about them. Like little flickering lights, are the dancing sisters sleeping, or are they dead? The fragrance of the flowers says they are dead, and the evening bell tolls for their funeral. <laughs> you are making me very unhappy, little Gerda said. Your fragrance. Is so strong that I cannot help thinking of those dead sisters. Oh, could little Kay really be dead? The roses have been down under the ground, and they say no. Ding dong! Told the hyacinth bells. We do not toll for little Kay. We do not know him. We are simply singing our song, like the only song we know. And Gerda went on. To the buttercup that shone among its glossy green leaves. You are like a bright little sun," said Gerda. "Tell me, do you know where I can find my playmate?" And the buttercup shone brightly as it looked up at Gerda. But what sort of song would the buttercup sing? It certainly wouldn't be about Kay. In a small courtyard, God's sun was shining brightly. On the very first day of spring, its beams glanced along the white wall of the house next door, and close by grew the first yellow flowers of spring, shining like gold in the warm sunlight. An old grandmother was sitting outside in her chair. Her granddaughter, a poor but very pretty maidservant. Had just come home for a little visit. She kissed her grandmother, and there was gold—a heart full of gold—in that kiss. 
gold on her lips, gold in her dreams, and gold above in the morning beams. There, I've told you my little story, said the buttercup. Oh, my my poor old grandmother, said Gerda. She will miss me so. She must be grieving for me as much as she did for little Kay. But... I'll soon go home again and I'll bring Kay with me. There's no use asking the flowers about him. They don't know anything except their own songs and they haven't any news for me. Then she tucked up her little skirt so that she could run away faster. But then a scissors tapped against her leg as she was jumping over it. So she stopped and leaned over the tall flower. Perhaps... You have something to tell me, she said. What did the Narcissus say? I can see myself, I can see myself. Oh, how sweet my own fragrance. Up in the narrow garret there is a little dancer, half-dressed. First, she stands on one leg, then she stands on both, and she kicks her heels in the whole world. She's an illusion of the stage. She pours water from the teapot over a piece of cloth she's holding. It is in her bodice. Cleanliness is such a virtue. Her white dress hangs from a hook. It too has been washed in the teapot and dried on the roof. She puts it on and ties a saffron scarf around her neck to make the dress seem whiter. Point your toes. See how straight the balance is of that single stem. I can see myself. I can see myself. I, I am not interested, said Gerda. What a thing to tell me about. She ran to the end of the garden and through the gate, and though the gate was fastened, she worked to a rusty latch till it gave way and the gate flew open. Little Garda scampered out into the wide world in her bare feet. She looked back three times, but nobody came after her. At last she could run no farther and she sat down to rest on a big stone. And when she looked up, she saw that summer had gone by and it was late in the fall. She could never have guessed it inside the beautiful garden where the sun was always shining and the flowers of every season were always in full bloom. Gracious, how long I've dallied, Gerda said. Fall is already here. I can't rest any longer. She got up to run on, but how footsore and tired she was and how cold and bleak everything around her looked. The long leaves of the willow tree had turned quite yellow and damp puffs of mist dropped from them like drops of water. One leaf after another fell to the ground. Only the blackthorn still bore fruit, and its fruit was so sour that it set your teeth on edge. Oh, how dreary and grey the wide world looked. As I was recording this episode, I realized that when Gerda goes to the river, she's wearing red shoes. Reminded me of the film, The Red Shoes, and I had never actually seen that film, so I decided to watch it. Film from 1948, and initially I thought, oh, it's, uh, it's a bit boring. I mean, I know it's a famous film, but it looked like it was quite slow, but then it was actually like really, really good, and um, it's a story about this 
this woman who's cast as a ballerina in this ballet, which is based on another of um, Christian Anderson's fairy tales called The Red Shoes. This woman really wants to dance. In the end, she dances herself to death, also because she wants to become a famous ballerina. But in order to do that, her manager is asking her to uh, renounce the man that she loves. And so she does so, but then she realizes she can't do it, so she commits suicide. It's a sort of like ballet horror. There's like a really amazing sequence. I mean, it's, it's the whole thing is interesting to watch, but there was this sequence, the main character, who is actually called Victoria Page. She is dancing in the Swan Lake, doing all these really fast pirouettes, and she's got some passionate stare. And that's when she's discovered by the manager because he sees in her that she has drawn ambition to come like the best. Like I said, a psychological ballet horror film. I mean, it did make me feel quite unease. Also because it does show this side of the theatre. I mean, it's ballet, but it's very theatrical and of like really being really ambitious, wanting to perform to the max until this woman is like, can't think of anything else and like gives up everything else in her life. I do like old movies. It's nice. It's like a different atmosphere. So I enjoy watching them. The character of their manager, which in the film is called Boris, uses Victoria Page, the dancer, to achieve his own ambitions. He's literally obsessed with a ballet. He wants to be the best. And so he's looking for um, a dancer who only wants to dance and wants to give up everything else in her life. He tries with another ballet star. She decides to get married. So he just fires her straight away and then puts uh, Victoria in her place. That's how she gets her break and she stars in the red shoes. So he wants to be successful and he's using Victoria Page to achieve success and then the other man is the one that she falls in love with who is a music composer initially he falls in love with her he seems to be well he is or seems to be in love with her but then when she wants to go back to becoming a ballet dancer he says no he says if you want to be with me you um, have to give up dance but meanwhile he has written more music he thinks that he going to be continuing his music career so it's also the story of this woman who's caught between these two lovers one loves her for a talent and the other one loves her as a woman but both of them they want to use her for their own ends another thing that struck me about the film is that the character victoria page hasn't got a mother in the film but there's an i think is an aunt who is only seen at the beginning of the movie she's an older woman who tries to talk initially to the manager she makes an attempt to introduce victoria page to the manager telling him that her niece is a really good dancer boris refuses to see victoria page dance then later on victoria page sees him at the party and introduces herself and that's how they get to know each other it's not her mother but it's another relative so she has the support of a woman 
the older woman hasn't been listened to and it's only when the manager Boris actually sees Victoria Page but doesn't know she's a dancer because she's she's very beautiful and young then he uh, takes an interest in her back to the Snow Queen's tale in this segment Gerda with the red shoes the river refuses to take the red shoes so she keeps them and carries on and ends up in this old woman's house that has this garden where all the flowers tell their stories I've experimented with the voice I've used some different voices and accents I just wanted to try something else this time just because there were so many flowers so I wanted to give them a different personalities and tones of voice the last flower she encounters is an assessor's it's interesting because the director of the red shoes is a british director called michael powell who made a film called black narcissus i haven't seen that film i've seen clips from it i just want to watch it because these films are kind of quite surreal also when the narcissus flower tells his story he mentions that he's looking at this dancer who cleans her costume in a cup of tea i'm only just starting to get to know the work of this director michael powell i'm more used to italian or french film directors of the past but yes so i'm looking forward to watch black narcissus i'm just going to make the last point about this film the red shoes anderson's fairy tale is referenced in the film when she wears these red shoes she just can't stop dancing and in the end the shoes just keep on dancing her basically she can't take them off and she throws herself of this balcony and is injured and basically as she's dying she's asking her um, lover to take the shoes off watching this film i'm sure there's loads of ways to interpret it but this is just how i felt when I watched it, there is actually a parallel with this chapter in the story of the Snow Queen and uh, Gerda's journey. With this film, The Red Shoes and the ballet dancer, Victoria, it seems to be that this character in The Red Shoes, Victoria Page, is being asked to give up her femininity, her sexuality, so that she can channel all of her energy into roles. On the other hand, the lover at the music composer is asking her to give up her art her creativity i mean initially she accepts the ballerina role and gives up the lover but then she realizes that it's just gonna be a, a nightmare for her she's gonna be stuck in this nightmarish ballet of the red shoes forever she couldn't have it the way she wanted to she couldn't have it all when she dies she's sort of complete and she has joy and happiness gerda is also imprisoned not in a ballet but in a flower garden and everywhere she looks is beautiful but deep down her intuition is telling her that something is missing what is missing is this rose which is a symbol of sexuality so when eventually Gerda realizes the rose is missing a rose the flower that was in the garden where she grew up and that awakens her desire to keep looking for a K. these are some of my discoveries I made while watching The Red Shoes, thinking about this chapter in Gerda's journey towards finding Kay.
Wildflowers are neither vain nor haughty, neither jealous nor servile, living in accord with their unique mission, characterizing the Buddhist principle of cherry, peach, plum and damson blossoms. They neither envy other flowers nor belittle themselves. They take pride in their identity, knowing that each is a flower with a bloom like no other. Even the prettiest and most delicate wildflowers are by no means weak. They may seem fragile, but they are strong. They are not perturbed by rain or wind, embodying the same indomitable spirit. Our motto is, nothing can defeat us. Sit or lie in a comfortable position. Breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and out. Relax in your body. Imagine that you are walking down a path in nature on a sunny day with someone that looks like you. Or it can have another physical form. This is a guide and has a different energy from yours. Feel the different energy that this guide has. You're walking in nature alongside the guide until you come to a clearing in the park or the woods or a garden. Now you sit down under a tree. You look up and notice the foliage. You see sunlight through the leaves. The light coming from the sun. Notice the quality of the light and as you observe it, this light grows even more beautiful, like a sparkling diamond. Breathe in this light. This light is a leading consciousness, the leading consciousness of love. Breathing in, breathing out, breathing in this light until it's all around your body. And now you feel more and more connected to this consciousness, this presence. And now you go between feeling your energy and the feeling of this other light energy 
the feeling of this presence. If you want, you can write down some ideas that come to you while you are here. You notice that some of these ideas might be quite different from what you're usually thinking, from your usual thoughts. You can stay here, or you can gradually come back in this reality. Thank you for taking this journey with me.